If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Well, hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Hi, Courtney. You kind of, you kind of like. Hi. I feel like you're kind of like Ariel. Sorry, <laughs> with like the way that the hairstyle is. You know, it has like that big swoop in the front. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's like I want you to be a mermaid now. <laughs> so I'm wearing a purple wig. That's what they're referring to. I've decided to just wear a purple wig tonight. Yes. And I have decided to grow my hair long. <laughs> <laughs> like there's much of a choice. Mm-hmm. But I've made that decision. So have. I've taken you're control. Under control. Yes. I've taken you're control under back. your own control. Marley mm-hmm. has decided to grow hers too. Mm-hmm. Should we just do it? Should we just shave our hair? Should we just shave our heads? I mean. When I'm not gonna I haven't considered it. Oh, I'm not gonna I haven't, like I I haven't pr- yeah, I'm not going to pretend I hadn't watched many videos of women shaving their heads recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of been a thing I've been doing. What are y'all drinking? Oh, I'm drinking George Dickle and Country Time Lemonade. Woohoo! My favorite drink. <laughs> what That's you- what some call a redneck whiskey sour. That's right. Ain't no shame in that game either. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Go through that country time like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm being fancy. You are. What you got? Well, a perfect Manhattan because oh. it's easy. I have all the ingredients, and all those ingredients are all alcohol and a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We've had them before, remember? Yeah. I may have had these. Get fucked up. Yeah. I may have had these in quarantine already. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I'm failing us miserably. Patrice, what are you having before I tell how I failed us? Um, I actually had all fancy and went downstairs, and I'm having a Greyhound. Oh, nice. Ooh. Did. Although I I didn't squeeze my own grapefruit. So oh. I got the grapefruit juice, so it's not all like, you know, 100% Courtney, but it's close. <laughs> you have the juicer, though. Do you know how many times I've wished I had the electric juicer during mm. this time, this quarantine time? I, I have failed us again on the drink kits. I still had it. I still have. I still want to do that. Mix things up. Bring them to you. But I had therapy, physical therapy until six almost. I didn't get home in time to do it. I could have just poured a bunch of rye and vermouth in a, in a plastic bottle and left it on your doorstep. <laughs> <Just like laughs> put a cherry on top. There you go. There you go. <laughs> just a little mason jar of like bourbon. Just yes. left on your doorstep. <laughs> That's all you need. Love it. You know, I think that would be a really good business opportunity for anybody in these these times that we're living in. Because <laughs> yes. if you want to just you just want to start taking like anonymous uh, yeah. anonymous orders for a mason jar of liquor, 
that you can just leave on somebody else's that board. That is a brilliant. Shh. <laughs> I think it's called that, moonshining. It's people are into that. Brilliant <laughs> idea, but it's like pre-made cocktails, and you just deliver them to your house. Brilliant. I would totally mm. order. If I didn't have to work every day, I might do that. Sure. That would be a great plan. I know. Because now's the time. Now's the time to quit your job. <laughs> Thankful again. I'm very thankful. I'm not complaining at all. Mm. Let me say how thankful I am. I am very thankful. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh, same. The semester's over. Cheers. Cheers. We did it. Cheers to you. Yes. Thank you. This last week, I had some conflicts that I was not expecting with the finals that took a lot longer. So today is really the first day that I've been able to get out of bed and say, hey, I don't have to do any school stuff. Very excited. I've got a lot done actually today. So I'm very excited about that too. And of course, I just made my list like 20 times longer about all the things I want to do before summer (laughs) school starts up. Ew. But but it's okay. I know. It's okay. Summer school don't start up for me though until like maybe the end of June. So good. I thought you were back for me, which is next Wednesday. No, no. So end of June, I'll have. I'll start up, um, and that'll lead into the fall semester and whatever the fuck that entails. Um, mm-hmm. but think about it. I'm not, I'm not, but y'all, my herbs are dead. <gasps> you lie. No, how? Max, stop taking care of them. <laughs> hey, you on him. How long did that last? Uh, well, when he was like, when he was all into it, and I think I may have just distracted him with like trying to get his guitar lesson started back up and doing other things. So we did have kind of like a schedule that brought us like outside to do the things, and then we had like some rainy weather, and we kind of stopped. And it got really cold a couple of nights, and it was really cold last night because we got like a fucking polar vortex happening again. Yeah, which is like crazy. Um, and I, I know, think. I've got to bring the- yeah and and that's i forgot to bring my plants in too so it was kind of the inconsistent watering and the cold nights kind of killed them but i bought a tiller oh i have i have plans to start a garden and already like told my fellas i'm like look i'm not doing this by myself this summer as a family we are going to have a garden just you know plant on growing maybe some tomatoes. I'm the only person to eat tomatoes in the house. So maybe grow, I don't know, some, some tomatoes, sweet potatoes, maybe try some corn. I'm not a hundred percent sure on the corn because deer love corn and we got a lot of deer in there. And, how and you're going to have enough space, to cross Because you have to have multiple rows yeah. to make corn. Yeah. yeah. Zucchini for sure. Sweet peppers. Yeah, that's a good one. And kale because mm. we do eat a lot of kale interesting so that's that's my plans now whether or not that happens we'll see the uh tiller should be here next week cool mine is tilled and ready to go and but i'm glad i didn't plant because it's going to be 38 tomorrow night Mm -hmm. and 35 on saturday and my little baby plants won't make it oh i know hopefully they wouldn't if they were in the ground right i don't think yeah Hopefully that's gonna be the last cold. But right. God, thirty-five and I know, I know. It, it, it got, we slept last night with the windows open, and it got so cold that I had to like go around closing windows because the house was freezing. I actually turned the heat on, and it's like second week of May. 
whatever, mm-hmm. or first week of May. I, I lost count. Mm. Lots of midnight buying from Instagram commercials. Uh, oh, Instagram commercials are the worst. They're always lies. Uh, they are lies, but they look so good <laughs> when you're scrolling through at three o'clock in the morning. Mm. I've had a lot of insomnia, had a lot of dreams. Like when they talk mm. about pandemic dreams, that is like no shit. What you been up to? I got I got nothing to report really, mm. you know, because we're no. quarantined and oh, shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've My been like dreams have declined, but today I felt really bad. I, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like bad and overwhelmed. I probably shouldn't wake up and go straight to social media before I even get out of bed because it's super depressing Yeah, to mm-hmm. see um, how we are polarized so much. I feel like it's hopeless sometimes. So I think I started out with that today. Yeah. It's better now, but it was kind of a whole day of yeah. what is happening. Is this really real? Like, How long is this going to last? And why can't people just be nice to each other? And Ugh. Why do you care if I wear a mask to CVS to pick up my prescriptions? Right. Do you care what tennis shoes I have on? <laughs> or right. what shirt I'm wearing? I don't know. I just I know. felt kind of sad. I flip flop between days. Um, it's <laughs> like, I, I truly feel like I'm going through the process of grieving. Um I think I, I hit the anger stage recently. What, yeah. What's what's the anger stage? What what is the process of grieving? Denial, anger, depression, then bargaining, then acceptance. I may be going through it backwards because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I've accepted this. Then I got really depressed, and then now I'm in definitely in the anger. There's also the theory, yes, of course, you'll cycle back through these, yes. Yeah. Nothing's going to mm-hmm. go linear. Right. Yeah, I, I've been, like, I've been between depressed and just pissed off at everybody and everything. Yeah. Like, for probably almost two weeks. Mm. Just, like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just done. <laughs> with, I feel like I just, like, go back and forth between, okay, I'm normal and I'm myself and then I'm just like done with everybody and everything and just hating it yeah I just I think the reason why I get so well I mean just because it's weird circumstances and emotional responses and stuff but I think one of the reasons I get so mad is because there's stuff like that the country could have done Mm -hmm. on a federal government level Mm -hmm. like two months ago that would have made it closer to being like somebody's nose turning blue, like Mm -hmm. contact tracing and stuff that other state or other countries had done successfully. And Mm -hmm. we can't do that now. You know, it's too far gone now. We can't, we have no, no option. It wouldn't, it'd be a waste of resources almost. So like they've fucked us is basically. And I think that's what I'm pissed all the time because Mm -hmm. I feel like, they have fucked us all. Yeah. And oh yeah. And I can't on yeah. top of that, I feel like we're just sitting out there fucking each other because of this whole like how is wearing a mask a debate? I'm like, I'm I want things to open up because I've seen so many friends lose their jobs. Right. And I've seen friends lose their businesses. And I've talked to friends who were on the verge of losing their businesses. And yes. you know, I mean, it feels really shitty. And I'm like, I want to. I want us to get out of this and move on to the next phase, except that you can only do that if people will wear fucking masks 
and stay six feet away from each other. Right. And because everybody's being a f- <laughs> and there are so many people out there that just refuse to follow basic instructions that have no harm on on their like their person does, does not hurt you. No. And it's so like yeah, no so shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Yes. It's I live in that. a state of rage, I think, lately. Yeah. And any time that I'm not, like, wow. screaming inside my head, I'm trying not to cry. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. You just enforced <sighs> every... I am real. That's it. That's yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I know. It's true, though. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I'm trying to look at it through compassion, though. And it's so hard. It's so hard to say that way in times like this. Be kind to yourself. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay that we're angry. It's okay that we're sad. Try to find the small moments of happiness. Right. Take your meds. Take your meds. Teleconference with your therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Put on a purple wig and smile. Yeah. Purple wig just made me feel so much better tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And Zoom more with your friends too. I have not been reaching out to anybody lately, and I need to do more because I I do I feel the results of being happier after like you know talking with you and having movie night and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you guys if you guys haven't used the Netflix party thing, like yes. the party watch thing, it is actually kind of fun, especially if you like if you're like me, like you write your jokes better than you tell them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's you're kind of fun shit. to just sit on chat and be like right. <laughs> roasting the entire movie on chat. Yeah. Always choose a movie that sucks ass. Yeah. Choose like choose the worst movie that you don't really want to watch. That right. is just a vehicle for you to converse around. Right. Like our next movie is Xanadu. Case, yes. Case in point. i'm still on it for velocipaster which i can't believe i cannot believe that jenna beat me to velocipaster when i have been i've had that on my watch list for ages Uh and then i saw that jenna and trey had watched velocipaster and i was like oh how was it and they kind of said basically like it's everything you dreamed it would be (laughs) (laughs) i kind of can't wait now Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Mm. Do we have any, um, do we have any like update? I have the only update I was told by my husband to tell everyone that Swamp Fox was a revolutionary war spy hero. Um, which if you remember, we actually did mention that. Cause I was like, I haven't listened to the show since we did the show. And he just randomly was like, oh, yeah, Swamp Fox. And I was like, why was I looking up Swamp Fox? <laughs> it's like, because he lived on the, the plantation where they made the first tomato recipe. That's why. Uh, no one cares. Uh, yeah. But I was told to repeat that Swamp Fox was a Revolutionary War spy hero because wow. we didn't know at the time. Oh, and I bought a uh, Tip Tree Jr. Um, yeah, anthology of short stories, Excellent. which I just finished reading the Testaments, mm-hmm. the Margaret Atwood, um, uh, sequel to the handmaid's tale. Oh, so, so Pete, if you want to read that, yeah. I can drop it off. At, but, um, I'll lie solid and shit, oh. but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just finished reading that, which is, I mean, a super, super light, you know, oh, fun, yeah. That's- fun read for quarantine. <laughs> Maybe that's why I can't get out of my funk. Oh my gosh. But, uh, 
Yeah, so I can't wait to get started on that, though, because I'm going to read the Screwfly Solution mm -hmm. and all these other things. Yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be cool. Excellent. It's funny because when we were getting ready to record again and I was like, oh, my God, I realized I haven't been doing anything on this. Like I had kind of held off like for 10 days, hadn't even picked up anything. I was like, I'm not ready to do anything. And then I had the hardest time finding anything again because I was just like, you know, when you're like low, when you're mm -hmm. in like a depression phase or something like that, it's just like nothing catches your attention that much you know so I was just like I can't find anything I want to do and then I was finally like well fuck it I'm just gonna do something yeah <laughs> sometimes you just gotta say it it. Just, it is it is just so often like you just gotta decide on something so uh <clears throat> anyway so with that I give you the story of the Myrtle's plantation the Myrtle's was built in 1796 so it's really old and it was a plantation. I don't think it was a plantation much after the Civil War, but it was a plantation before then. And it's in St. Francisville, Louisiana, which is like 30 miles north of Baton Rouge. Patrice is nodding. Do you know this place? Yes. It's one of the places that I wanted us to go stay at. Oh, yeah, because it's a bed and breakfast. Yes, it is. Well, let's talk about it. Let's learn about it. Let's learn about the Myrtles. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's a and b now it offers guided tours and it's one of those it's y'all have heard me kind of do this before. It's one of those that's like, it builds itself popularly, like even on its website, it's not talking about the history of the mansion anymore. It's talking about its hauntedness. Mm -hmm. So it like, it, it bills itself as the most haunted house in America. Mm -hmm. And by that, I guess they mean like the number of ghosts that haunt it or the number of people that see them or you know, I think it's, you know, it's not like somebody's on there auditing <laughs> what makes them the hauntedest house. Right. So I guess it's kind of hard to say. And, you know, um, I want to say that when um, I was talking to Rebecca Kelly uh, mm -hmm. last year about her different encounters, because she's pretty sensitive. She has a lot of things mm -hmm. that happen to her. Um, I want to say it may have been there. Mm -hmm. uh, that she was staying, that she had like some crazy stuff that she talked. I wouldn't about. be surprised now that I've I've read more about it. Um, I uh, you know, I get I start with the history of the place, and I got a bunch of information from uh, a site called American Hauntings. It's put together by Troy Taylor and David Weishart, but um, the the history of the place, like on paper is that uh, the guy who built the plantation was named David Bradford. He uh, was part of the Whiskey Rebellion up north and was basically, there was like a bounty on his head by George Washington. Oh. So he had to escape. <laughs> oh. um, and so he built this place for his family after basically being run out of the north during the Whiskey Rebellion. And, um, you know, he, he moved down there, let his family live there until he got his pardon eventually. And, um, his wife stayed in the house after he died along with his daughter, Sarah and her husband, Charles Woodruff. And, um, so it goes that, um, in 1823, Sarah, it's 1823, they're in Louisiana. She gets the yellow fever and mm -hmm. she dies. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the year after that, Sarah and Charles's young son and daughter, both still children, caught it and died from it as well, like mm-hmm. within a year. So it's pretty shitty. Um, <clears throat> so Charles Woodruff and his remaining daughter um, moved away and sold the land, the property, and the enslaved people who were working there to this rich couple um, who decided to renovate it. So they basically made the house twice as big as it originally was as a plantation house. It's, it's really, really pretty. And, you know, you'll have to look at the website for some really good pictures. Lots of people have pictures, but it's a, it's a gorgeous house. Mm-hmm. Um, but these people are in, in large part responsible for a lot of the things that were so, so attractive about the way that it was designed. They brought, um, you know, they had plenty of money. And so they brought in European furnishings. They brought in like skilled craftsmen from Europe to work on all the pieces on the entire, like all the decorative pieces on the inside of the house. So when, when was this, I mean, when was the house created? You said, uh, it was built in 1796, I think. Yeah. 1796. Um, and so, the of the two the rich couple who had just renovated everything then the husband eventually dies um and subsequently and for various reasons so did five of their children um then the civil war kind of wreaked havoc on the fortunes of the family and um one of the girls one of the daughters Sarah Mulford had married a man named William Winter shortly after the war ended. So he's teaching a Sunday school class, apparently inside the plantation house um, in the parlor when some random dude just rides up on a horse and calls him out onto the front porch and shoots him dead for a reason that nobody ever understood. And they never, they never caught the guy. Mm. And that, that part was actually like part of public record. That really, that one really happened. Um, And so the property just kind of kept on passing through families and, you know, branches of families multiple times. One point, one owner's son died by drowning. I mean, when a, when a house is that old and it passes through that many. Yeah. You're going to have like things. There will be a lot of deaths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, things have happened over the course of time. Um, but there really wasn't a whole lot of talk about ghosts until the 1950s. Um, so this widow who had, I think made her fortune, like with chicken farms, her name was Marjorie Munson. She bought the property in the fifties. Um, And people said that after she moved in, she started kind of like nosing around locally asking people about the house because she was seeing weird shit inside the house. Hmm. And um, other people since then have talked about stuff like candelabras floating in the house. Of course, there's like the regular orbs, you know, auras, things like that, smelling strange perfumes in certain rooms, like the smell of gardenias would fill a certain room. Oh, Um, I love gardenias. I know those are actually really not like the privet that's killing killing me these days, but, um, you know, footsteps when nobody's there, that kind of stuff, furniture moving when nobody's there, um, hear people calling your name in their voices, people that, you know, when they're not in the vicinity, like that kind of stuff. So it could have been stuff like this, that Marjorie Munson was experiencing that was having her like wander around and ask all the neighbors what's up with this house. But one of the family members of a former owner of the house who still lived in the area told Marjorie that she remembered her aunts who lived there talking about a ghost in the house. And they had seen in the house an old woman in a green bonnet who just kind of haunted the corners of the house. And it, they said that it was something that they laughed about. 
So I'm guessing it was one of those things like, you know how Catherine Tucker Wyndham deals with Jeffrey's like anytime anything happens. Oh, that must be Jeffrey. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of people deal with their house ghosts like this. Right. You right. know, if there's I something totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. Strange person walking through my house. Oh, during... I was just going to say like the one you saw when you went to get peanut butter. Yep. It's that just like... still freaks me out that somebody was walking around your damn house. Well, I just had a creepy puppet head pop up behind me, so. Shut up. Oh, oh, when you were gone. I was like, how up is that? I keep hearing thumping. Y'all see me taking my headset out and listening? I keep hearing thumping. It's outside, like in your house? I can't tell where it is. It's, it's not, not going on now, so I'm just going to pretend. Is it on your it microphone? Is it no. on your earbuds? It's an... See, uh, okay, I'm going to I'm going to stop for a second and say that I had this experience like I don't usually have things things don't normally scare me because I've always lived in old houses and I just always rack everything up to something breaking, which is scary in its own way, but not ghost scary. But I swear <laughs> the other night I could not go to sleep because all I heard was thumpings and bumpings and knowing that both my kids were sound asleep going and checking on them nobody's falling out of bed and all i keep hearing is these bangs and thumps and i swear i spent half the night awake it could also be rodents like we get squirrels in the attic and stuff like that i'm pretty familiar with the squirrel sounds i can hear them on my roof but this is more like boom boom it stopped now though okay it's gotta be well with all the people bigfoot I <laughs> stomping on your roof. I, well, listen, Banging I had to call walls. the sheriff again because people get bored oh, out here and gosh. start shooting when there's quarantine. So oh. they go out to this quarry behind my house and start shooting. And I've got an open case with the sheriff because they actually shot my house once. Oh. And so I was like, you know, I was driving up and down the road trying to spy out who had gone into this quarry with the no pr- trespassing signs. And I see these four dudes in tracksuits get into a green pickup. And it was that night that I started hearing all these weird noises. And I'm like, shit, they saw me. They've come back to get me because I Girl, called the cops on them. You be careful. Like, <laughs> don't go confronting anybody with guns. Oh, I didn't confront. I didn't confront. Yeah. I'm just tired of telling my kid that she can't, like, leave in the backyard. Because, no, no, like, I get it. Somebody's going to shoot her. I, I um, anyway, it. so off, off topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had seen an old woman in a green bonnet in the house. And, um, so Marjorie, who's been going around asking everybody what's up with the house, she hangs on to this ghost story of this old woman in a green bonnet. And she starts kind of sharing this story. And, um, then in the 1980s, the place changes owners again. And a woman named Frances Kermeen, Kermeen, Kermeen buys the property. Some people apparently didn't like her and her husband because they came down on a riverboat tour from California on vacation. It's uh, this is the way they made it sound. And basically like spied the house and said, We're gonna make this into a B and B. And this is, you know, this all this that I'm saying may not be true, but mm-hmm. it's funny to me. But um so she's the one who turned it into a B and B, Francis Kermaine. And there was a newspaper report where she was interviewed saying that um the first ghost that she saw in the house, she'd said she just bought it and she was asleep in the downstairs bedroom. And suddenly she woke up and she said hovering nearby was a black woman in a dark flowing gown wearing a green turban. And she held an old candlestick. And 
Frances said that she hid her face and she screamed. And finally she forced herself to look and tried to like reach out to touch the woman. But as soon as she kind of opened her eyes, the woman just like faded into nothing. Um, so the old woman in the green bonnet from Marjorie's story has turned into a young black woman in a green turban in Francis's story. But this idea of like the green mm-hmm. headdress, you know, head the green piece. headdress on the woman. Yeah. So there, there are other parts of the haunted history of the Myrtles that kind of lengthen in the same way that the story like spread out between people, which is the way it always happens. Right. Right. So there's a burial ground of the Tunica tribe of Indians that was discovered in the Mississippi Delta in 1968, which was like 20 miles away from the Myrtles at another plantation called the Trudeau. But when people professed at the Myrtles to seeing a naked Indian girl standing in the courtyard under a weeping willow, the stories kind of like all flowed together And suddenly the historical account of the Myrtles turned into Bradford, who originally built the house, built it over a tunica burial mound, Mm. which isn't true. But this this (laughs) story, like, because people have seen this apparition, this story kind of, like, follows her into the history of the Myrtles, right? Mm -hmm. So it just gets kind of longer and longer. So um, Frances Kermain and then the Moss family that buys the property from her and still runs it as a and b now, um, they give a completely different history of the Myrtles. Um, In their history, there was not one murder, but 10 murders on the property of the Myrtles over the course of its time. in their history, one of the sons of one of the families that owned it was stabbed to death in a gambling debt argument. Um, there Possible. was a story, and they, there was a caretaker in one of the stories that was killed in a robbery. And it's interesting because um, Tita Moss, who is the woman who owns the place now, said that when she first moved there, her older son, all the way through his his young childhood, would talk to an imaginary friend on the grounds. And... It wasn't like a little unicorn or anything like this. It was an old man in overalls that apparently matched the description of a caretaker who used to work at the place. So like, it's like they see these things and then this history kind of follows them. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a story that they started three union soldiers broke in and shot in the parlor and left bloodstains on the floor that never went away in the Myrtles. Um, which kind of goes along with the Reddit story of a person who as a child went on the tour and in one of the rooms saw a bloody handprint on a white chair and looked up at their parents and said, what is that? And the parents are like, we're listening to the tour. And the kid's just like, what the, what the fucking hell? Like, <laughs> do you, and finally the kid says like, is that blood? And everybody's just like, there is nothing there. We see nothing. And the tour guide just kind of looks at the kid like, yeah. We've seen this happen before. (laughs) You're not crazy, kid. You're good. That kind of found their place in the history of the Myrtles happened somewhere around here. Like, chances are, over the course of this long, long history, these things all existed for real Mm -hmm. in somebody's background. They didn't necessarily exist at the Myrtles. But all these apparitions seem to, like congregate here and bring all this history with them so like um they there were a couple things that they really did like 
probably were intentionally built into their own legends. Mm. So the, William Winter, the guy who got shot on his front porch by the random dude who just showed up with a horse, mm-hmm. um, is a very romantic version of his death in which he gets shot, runs up to the 17th stair on the main staircase so that he can like expire in the arms of his wife, which is very yeah lovely yes and very memorable mm-hmm. and very not true but right. people still hear like his feet stomping on the stairs running up to the 17th stair mm-hmm. and people still feel cold like exp- like feel weird on the 17th step and people still hear a woman crying in in the staircase and there are t- really tons and tons of people who have these experiences uh, you know like a lot of these like ghost tour places you kind of you know you hear just the stuff that they say on the tour Mm -hmm. but i reddit is a weird i mean reddit is like the the digital folklore of our time and also the crazy people but and also all of the conspiracy theorists and shit but right there are a lot of people that tell their own stories about this stuff that don't necessarily even there are so many like ghost history stories about the myrtles that these people probably couldn't even have known all of them like they can't put all of them in a single tour right i mean there're just so many so but the big story the story that everybody always wants to hear about the myrtles is the chloe story um so in the story that they tell at the plantation and around surrounding it everywhere, there was an enslaved woman. There, there was a question at one point whether it was Chloe or Cleo, because it has the story has been around for a bit. But um, there was an enslaved woman, a light skinned enslaved woman who worked at the plantation. And, you know, what do you think happens with the beautiful, young, light skinned oh, yeah. enslaved woman? Mm-hmm. She she begins a relationship mm-hmm. with uh, the owner at the time, who was Charles Woodruff. Right. Um, the the way they the way it's told, she basically like earned herself for this, <laughs> a prized position in the main house working with the kids, um, and it's funny. There are actually still guides at the Myrtles that will call her uppity, which is just like. She's a Jesus fucking survivor. Is, is Jesus Christ. I know, right? What she is. She well, did is you kid. see that on some tour or something? Oh, happened? yeah. Like, I mean, it's, cool. it's, oh, yeah, yeah. There are, there are people who have reported that that, that word shows up in the tours. Mm. Um, but it depends on which tour guides you get, because there are other tour guides that tell this story, like, with a wink and a nod, knowing exactly what the real thing is. Right. might have what the yeah. real story would have actually looked like. Exactly. So it really just kind of depends on who takes you through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, these are the bare bones of it is that, you know, she has this job working with the kids. One day she's listening outside the door when Charles Woodruff is meeting with other people. Um, so, you know, so far we could say our, our modern understanding translation of this is enslaved woman is basically roped into a sexual relationship with if you want to call it a relationship with the the slave owner and you know ends up like recognizing that information is probably one of the most valuable things she could have in mm-hmm. the situation that she has is you know trying to collect it the way basically anybody in her situation most likely would um she's probably not particularly well liked you know 
by the other enslaved people there who don't work in the kids' quarters. And, you know, so she's... She's outside. He's having this meeting. He opens the door, realizes that she's been listening, and he cuts off her ear as punishment. And then he banishes her to the kitchen and says, you know, you're not going to work in the main part of the house anymore. And she has to wear a green turban to cover up the fact that her ear has been taken off. Um, But and this is, you know, again, this really depends on who tells you the story In, in one version of the story. Out of revenge, she decides to pluck oleander leaves from the bush outside the house, make a cake for the family, and put the oleander leaves inside the cake, ground up, or or the juice of them, and that's poison. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the stories is that she did it because her goal was basically to get back in the good graces of the family, and she knew it would make them a little bit sick, but not sick enough to actually be damaged and that she could come in and nurse everybody back to health. Um, so, you know, there are a couple different versions of why this happened one way or another in all those stories, she feeds the mom and the two children poisoned cake. And in all of the stories, they all die. Um, and again, this is another is part. Is this that's the in- family that supposedly died of the fever? Ah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Were you going to reveal true. that? No, it's not a reveal. Oh. It's just, hey, how well were you listening? Yeah, oh. because they all actually died of the yellow fever. They didn't all three die at the same time. Um, so wherever this story originated, it 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 isn't like historically factual. But it ended with Chloe being taken by the other enslaved people, either on the orders of Charles Woodruff or... Um, because they were trying to kind of save their own hides for, I don't know, hiding her or something and hanging Chloe in the front yard of the, the house and then throwing her in the river. Mm. And so, I mean, it's a horrible end for somebody who is in a horribly shitty position. Um, and so they also said that there's in, you know, the, um, the tradition, the older tradition of when there's a, a funeral or a death in a house, you cover all the mirrors mm-hmm. with black cloth or something. Yeah. Um, so there's a mirror in the house that supposedly holds the spirits of Sarah Woodruff, the, the mother, and two of her and the two children who ate the, the cake. And according, you know, according to the legend, that's the one mirror that for whatever reason didn't get covered when they, you know, when they were put to rest. And so it trapped their spirits in the mirror and you can see the children's handprints in the mirror, which, and there is a a mirror that they point out on the tour that you legitimately can see stuff in and they will polish it and the stuff will come back. You know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of like theories on why that is, but it's kind of cool. And people have taken a lot of photos of other things that they've seen in that mirror too. Like the picture that Courtney took at the beginning of this recording of something creeping up behind my chair. (laughs) Of the small man hiding behind your chair with um, <laughs> but Chloe is the most seen ghost at the Myrtles and the most told story. And she's come all this way from being an old white woman in a, in a green bonnet. Um, you know, the people, people at the plantation, like when they stay, they often say that one of their earrings will disappear because she can only use one. So they should only be able to use one. Um, and you know, that's a pretty widely like reported thing that's happened. Well, um, if that's the 
case, then Chloe lives with me because my earrings I know, right? <laughs> always disappear. And my daughter, like, who's constantly, like, wearing <laughs> two mismatched earrings. Um, so one of the interesting things, because, like, when I can't get interested in a story, like I have been this past week, like, what I oddly can get interested in is these really, like, potentially pretentious academic papers about the story. <laughs> I so I ended you. up reading like the ethnography of the Myrtles. Oh, and, wow. um, one of the things that they point out is that without Chloe mm-hmm. as untrue and as depending on who tells it racist as the story can sometimes be mm-hmm. without Chloe, there is very little presence of the black enslaved people in the stories of the Myrtles. Oh, wow. So in a way she's serving a purpose because people cannot be erased like that. You know, you can't, you can't allow her to not have any say at all. So there's something really uh, as disturbing as it can be. There's something really kind of cool about that. Um, And I I figured like, I mean, it's telling like a story that you, that I'm sure that happened a lot back then with enslaved people that, you know, the attractive young enslaved women were probably raped and mm-hmm. were probably brought into the house in order to keep as an uh, unwilling lover or for convenience. And mm-hmm. they just, they were surviving, mm-hmm. you know. Isn't, um, uh, isn't a, there a movie, Skeleton Key? Oh my God, I so wrote that down because you and I watched that movie. Yes. You, you introduced me to Skeleton Key. And I was like, this, Wait. every time I kept on hearing this Chloe story, I was like, there's something really oddly yeah. familiar about this. I, that was yeah. like a, a sleeper movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not officially based on this, but it was filmed at a sugar plantation in Louisiana that's like not, you know, horribly unlike. But um, right. yeah, the same idea of like it's, it does end like the part of the story is like an enslaved couple that ends up being lynched and hanged and burned in the front yard in front of the children that they took care of. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of it has to do with the mirrors being covered and like the way that, you know, the tradition that spirits will enter the mirrors if they're not covered like that kind of thing or come out of the mirrors if they're not covered. So, um, yeah, if you, if you, I mean, it's, it's a cool, it's a, it's good a cool, movie. fun movie. Yeah, yeah it is a watch. surprising movie if you haven't seen Skeleton Key with uh, Kate Hudson, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched. I it. think. Yeah, it's Kate Hudson. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, I think they must have drawn from this somehow. Like, somehow. but yeah. like you said, this story is like, it's every story, right? So you know, it's it's it may not be true at the Myrtles at the time with the people that they remark like that they say it's about, but right. it's still true, right? Um, so there, um, I think just kind of the last couple of things, like the, the owner of the plantation now tells a story, like she talks about the fact that like the ghosts there, as much as they bother people, like she considers them to be like good angels. Basically, she tells a story about how, like when she first moved there, she had a 10 month old and she was working at her desk and she said she heard like a raspy voice in her ear telling her to check on her baby. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because this one, like this one source that I found said that it was like a Lauren Bacall voice, like in her ear saying, check your baby. 
<laughs> I was trying to I, figure uh, out what does Lauren McCall sound like. Probably not like that, but <laughs> check your baby. But um, she uh. So, you know, she finally gave into it and went around the yard and her her 10 month old was like toddling towards the open pond on the property. Oh, and so, you know, she was able to save him. There was um, there was a time oh, not that long ago in 2014, there was a fire that destroyed like one of the one of the buildings. It was a general store that they had built on the property and it was only like 10 feet from the main house, but it didn't touch the main house. And so she attributes that to the ghosts. There was somebody on TripAdvisor who said that they are a, a sensitive who had gone to stay there. And um, they had a bunch of people kind of following them around, asking information about, you know, how they commune with spirits or what they hear and all this kind of stuff. And there was a thunderstorm outside at the time. And um, there was a, a mother and her daughter who came down to her and said, um, you know, when, when we went into our room a couple seconds ago, our shoes weren't where we left them. They were laying in the middle of the floor with their soles touching. Is this, you know, paranormal stuff? And there was a window blind that had come undone and gone halfway down and was just kind of hanging. And they were like, uh. so she took, they took her up to their room and, um, she was like, when, when they do this, they're just trying to get your attention. They're not trying to scare you. Mm -hmm. And so she went over to the window and grabbed the, the blinds that had fallen partway down and they were soaked and she felt to the floor and the carpet was soaked. And, um, there was, there was water dripping onto a fan cord that was plugged in oh, and turned on. Damn. And she was like, if you don't unplug this, you're going to burn us all down. They were trying to get your attention. Right. Um, and you know, so there are stories like that, that people say like they're, they're well-meaning, helpful mm -hmm. spirits, but you know, they really do run the gamut. Like they go from, you know, Indian burial ground to the Chloe story. They've got laughing children everywhere. There's a story of a lecherous judge who will sneak into bed and seduce you at night. There is a story of children who climb in between you when you're sleeping in the beds there there's a confederate soldier there's a nurse that will bandage your foot there is a grand piano that plays the same chord over and over again all night long there are shaking beds babies crying children floating outside your window like they have reported everything that you could get from a haunted house Whoa. at the Myrtle. do they have so, somebody that would accidentally give you a pedicure while you sleep Oh my God. It's the ghost. It's the ghost we all need. It's, it is the ghost so, we all need. The ghost for quarantine time. So I guess like, I guess with this, like, you know, I guess that's the end of my Myrtle story. You can't, you honestly can't cover every single oh, thing I know. that people have seen or experienced at this place for whatever reason. But you know, all the history kind of just floats in the air around it, whether it belongs there or not, right. it's where it lives now. So, um, Oh yeah. man. So that's yeah. that. Yay! I'm so glad you did that. I've been wanting yeah. like it's been on my list to do because it's one mm -hmm. of the places that I definitely wanted us to stay. And I still do at some future date, whenever that is. Um just because first of all, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. and, it's really pretty. Yeah. And second of all, just because of the history there and and all the woo-woo and stuff. So woo-woo, <laughs> woo-woo. All right, let's take a quick break. Okie dokie. And then we'll come back and I'll try to do something.
up. <laughs> I need to like chill with the liquor. Uh oh. Are you are you already just like wiped? Yeah, I I am like I'm at that point where <laughs> I'm like getting drunk. <laughs> and it's gonna start tipping the other way if I don't like just chill a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. We always drink less when we're talking. So That's now true. it's gonna be my turn to catch up with you now. Yeah. Uh, I'm just pouring my second out of here. Well, my problem is I got a a, a straw. <laughs> <laughs> the straw lets me drink faster. <laughs> oh my god! Wouldn't it be fun though to do? A, I was just gonna say, do another live now that you have more time and we have some break time. Another live and promote it. And let people like a Facebook live. You mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Or even. Like I thought of this, like uh, sit in and record with us on Zoom and like do like a little listener giveaway or like something like that. Like, mm. you know, like you've done before on Instagram with uh, with some of the swag. So it's mm -hmm. like join us for a live show or get a uh -huh. chance to join us for a live. That's a really good idea. Mm. Wouldn't that, that be fun? That would to be have fun. somebody, you know, who would I mean, some of the some of our hardcore fans. We'd love mm -hmm. it. Mary Beth posted how she was like talking to us while she's listening. <laughs> I love that. And I love, I love that Andy up in Gadsden is always oh, yeah. like reserves a night to like relax and drink mm -hmm. and listen to our podcast. That makes, yes. that's awesome. that makes my heart so happy. I love her. Well, we could post this and see what they say. I think they would like it. We yeah. could ask them. It Absolutely. would be fun, though, wouldn't it? That would be They could fun. just be on here with us like that, you know, a couple of people maybe. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I called in, like, technical-wise, uh, we're getting a second internet line. Uh, logistics later. Quarantine problems. Quarantine this is problems. The part, this is the part where we cut, and now we're back. <laughs> right. And now we're back. <laughs> We're back. We're back. So, we're of back. course, my brother, who is always... Um, wanting he's always been the kind of person to push my buttons like that's what little brothers do they know how to push your buttons they know how to get a reaction out of older siblings and it has never changed it's like my brother drives like he is not afraid of death and so and he knows how much that I am afraid of death and he, t he uses that and he pushes it even further when I'm in the car with them. So I'm, I'm trying to give you like an idea. And y'all probably heard me talk about him before. And like the fact that he wanted me to watch that really scary horror movie that would probably <laughs> psychologically damage me um, by horrible. myself. Um, Baba Duke. <laughs> yes. And, and when I, yeah, we told other people that and they're like, your brother hates you. And I'm like, yeah, I yes. know. Right. What movie? Baba the Baba Duke. Oh God, that one is so bad. It's so scary. Yeah, so I'm not watching it. It's also it's a very good movie, just yeah. FYI. But it's scary, and yeah. I wouldn't want to watch it by myself. Yeah, so, so you did yeah. watch it by yourself. No, not doing that. Oh, okay. No, I, I he am tried taking... to get her to. Though. Yeah, he was like, you could start with the Babadook. Right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, so of course, him in the same vein sent me a picture of the murder wasp this week. Oh my god! And so it's just the like fucking murder hornets. Mm, we don't need any more drama, right? <laughs> it, it, if if it's not like you know this whole swarm thing, so I started thinking about insects, and we did the screw floss swarm. I started thinking about swarms and stuff. So oh, this week, no. um, I'm going to be talking about <laughs> miasmas. And uh, malaria and mosquitoes. Ew. So just <laughs> a uh, gentle warning to everybody that um, if you're not having a good day with the pandemic and, you know, the murder hornets and everything, you just, you know, may want to stop here. Um <laughs> Um, I may have be, to exit this so, conversation. Right. This would be an interesting test case because I've been wanting to do a story on um, on dangerous spiders of the southeast for a long yes, time. <laughs> we'll yes. see how this goes. I have over. a thing about swarming. Yes, things. it used to be like a really <laughs> holes. Yeah, it's been like a really big like the swarm thing, and so I was thinking about you know uh, plagues and swarms and pestilence and and you know, everything like that. And so I started looking up, um, you know, what insect, like what swarms in the South um, has like, are there any stories specific to this? Um, Because I was thinking about, you know, the murder hornets and everything. And um, as big as your hand. Well, oh God, he's, well, he sent me and I'll have to, I'll, I'll share this. He sent me a video of somebody playing with male murder hornets because they don't have stingers and so the guy's just sitting there with his hand and they're like you know a quarter size of the hand and he's like just like has his hand like flipping through them and playing with them and they're just like it's terrifying and of course he knew that would just like freak the shit out of me and he of course he sent it to me um (laughs) so you know with this theme of like swarms of course the biggest thing in the south has always been the mosquito um being in mississippi living around rivers and swamps um you know mosquitoes have always been like a really bad thing that we've had to live with and deal with and my kinder my kindergarten picture that i have where i have like pigtails and a big old like gap tooth grin i have got this (laughs) biggest mosquito bite on my cheek ever oh Um, no and it's like it's like one of the things that just makes me laugh because mosquitoes fucking love me but um before everybody associated malaria with mosquitoes they thought that um the thing that made you sick with malaria was like this miasma cloud so there's this like miasma theory um that these clouds this bad air uh, these clouds of things will give you like uh, cholera or chlamydia. <laughs> What's that? Oh my God. <laughs> Syphilis. Syphilis. Syphilis oh. miasma. Right. Syphilis or, billboards. Right. <laughs> or like the Black Death or, you know, mm-hmm. malaria was because of this, this miasma. And so miasma, of course, is like, I think, you know, Greek for pollution. And actually it's, I think we'll talk about the form of the word, but it's like um, malaise, like bad air is basically Hmm. uh, 
what mm. it stands for. And they also call it night air. Um, but, you know, these epidemics that were happening because of this rot, this, you know, bad air, uh, they thought came from like rotten organic matter um, that, you know, foul smells. They also thought back in the, like, and we're talking about early, early time, like way before the Americas were discovered or anything like that, like Roman days and, you know, Greek days kind of thing. They thought that one could become obese by inhaling the odor of food. Oh my God. Which I kind of have to believe. Jesus, help me. Oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> but, you know, they attributed a lot of things happening because of foul odor and, um, you know, that you could be directly affected immediately by, you know, getting in this bad air, which they're not half wrong. I mean, they're, they're not wrong. Um, so we've talked about like cholera in episode 34 with uh, Louise Wooster in Birmingham. We talked about mm -hmm. uh, the marshes with the Gullah Geechee people and I know Moonrise and that was episode 49. And um, the other thing that's going to kind of, we're going to talk about again a little bit uh, because of this uh, bad air and having to deal with the swamps was the uh, Fifole, uh, the Louisiana version oh, of yeah. the, the Will-O-Wisp kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting, and I'm going to, let me cite my sources real quick, because there's so much written. You were talking about like uh, academic papers. I've read Mm -hmm. several or I didn't like read read I like perused <laughs> academic yeah, like <laughs> academic We're papers like, uh, skip this part you're not like... supposed to remember how this podcast the intro what it says that's right <laughs> it's not like you know hardcore facts or anything but I did um read this interview that this guy who wrote this book called the mosquito a human history of our deadliest predator um, mm. wrote last year, actually, it's Timothy Weingard. Uh, and it's, it's his interview that he did with the Canadian broadcast company, uh, radio station there. I got a lot of the information from, I also got a lot of the information from this paper called bad air amulets and mosquitoes, 2000 years of changing perspectives on malaria. Mm. And there's just like, and, and there's a couple of more and I'll cite them in the, um, website but this interview was like really interesting and in mosquitoes I mean they're such a pain in the ass and <laughs> I was just thinking about them I like love, yeah, they we have century. had such great weather lately I mean it's almost mm -hmm. mid-May and it is so cool and the bugs really haven't started to come out yet like you can still go outside during the evening and not be just overcome by mosquitoes and bugs trying to attack you um, and so when I was thinking about like, it would be really nice for like, you know, y'all to come over and we could do like a podcast outside and not be attacked by mosquitoes and all that things like that. I mean, I was like dreaming about all these things that we could do because it was just been so nice outside, but the mosquito in fact really is humanity's greatest natural predator. Um, it has like, it is absolutely incredible how the mosquito has actually shaped our history. And some of the things that I read, I didn't really put it together or think about it too much. Um, 
but I would, you know, if I have time to read, which I'm just going to like be real with everybody, I'm probably not going to read this, but I would really love to be able <laughs> to have time to sit down and read this. Cause I find this like really interesting, um, about like how the mosquito has like shaped a lot of everything that we have, like, like our course of history. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but speaking of the mosquito, so the mosquito swarms, um, can happen when it gets warm enough um, and it's wet enough for the larvae. And I'm not going to go into the scientific detail too much about it <laughs> because I fucking didn't research that part. <laughs> <laughs> but they have like, there have been swarms actually in the Arctic that oh, have really? bled young caribou to death at the rate of roughly 9,000 uh, bites per minute. What? what? No, 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 that's and that enough. is like yeah. the equivalent of draining half of the blood of an adult human in two hours. So these, so, How? so not only like have these swarms can like get, I mean, they suck your blood, right? Can mm -hmm. be so like lethal and deadly in and of itself of like draining the blood, but they also pass can pass along these really deadly diseases as well. Um, which is, you know, malaria is which we're going to talk about. So malaria is actually a parasite that is spread by the female mosquito and it affects your blood cells. And, um, and we know that it is spread solely through, you know, the female mosquito and malaria or mosquitoes, not just malaria because yellow fever also comes from the mosquito too. Mm -hmm. Um, the, it still kills upwards to 2 million people a year. And it is considered by far the deadliest. And they said the deadliest animal. It's an insect, an animal. I don't know my bi I don't. biology. I wouldn't think technically you would consider, but I think an animal is like a, 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 a vague term. Mm -hmm. Like animal is so not the scientific term, right? right? So, so maybe uh, far and wide, the deadliest creature. Mm -hmm. Um, on the planet it is attracted to uh blood type o so if you have o blood uh then you know it's attracted to that and then after that uh it goes to a and then to b so b is the least likely blood type to have to like attract mosquitoes i attract it like severely and i have a positive um, so no O type here, but definitely A. So O is the highest and mm -hmm. then A. And then A. And then B. Mm -hmm. It is also, uh, attracted to chemicals and bacteria on the skin. So, mm -hmm. you know, we all heard like the, um, CO2 carbon, you know, dioxide that you breathe out, uh, will attract insects, uh, mm -hmm. bacteria. They say stinky feet. Uh, the bacteria on your feet is like an aphrodisiac to mosquitoes. Oh my god! Ew. So, like, if you have stinky feet, like, I'm gonna just gonna fess up now. I have stinky feet, which again, <laughs> I don't know how many times. My I've... ex. That's why he got bit all the time. <laughs> he always said it was his blood type, but it could be both. Um, I think he was. I think he was a positive. So. Yeah. So uh, also bright clothing attracts them. Uh, certain fragrances attract them. Uh, actually, uh, alcohol attracts them. 
They oh, say yeah. that beer drinkers <laughs> attract uh, mosquitoes the most. And this is like <gasps> researched. So if you drink beer, yeah. um, you'll attract more mosquitoes. Oh my God. So, so all those like outdoor bars barbecues. that we have where mm-hmm. we're all drinking and yeah. Oh my God. It's like we're making it really hard on ourselves. Um, mm. So back in ancient Egypt, they would bathe in human urine. To help keep like marla- uh, malaria away. Don't and say it like that. It's not marla. Mar- I know. I know. I'm sorry. It's the Marlaya disease. The I was looking at Marlaya and I just got like. <laughs> malaria. Malaria. Now, I, now listen. We're just we're we're overstepping the really important thing, which was people bathing in human urine. urine. Yes, <laughs> malaria. So that. yes, so they did that to keep mosquitoes away. Also, and this is like this is one of the most interesting things that I found. And I was like, no shit. Okay, and Roman, uh, the Roman Empire. They would pray to the uh, goddess of fever. There was actually a goddess of fever called Febris. And they would wear amulets uh, to, like, kind of ward off malaria. Malaria. Sorry, malaria. Malaria. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, And they would wear these amulets around their neck. And the word on the amulet is abracadabra. No shit. This is where the word comes from. So, yeah. uh-huh. so the physician to the Roman emperor Caracalla uh, would tell his patients that were suffering from fever to wear uh, this amulet with the inscription Abracadabra on it. And it was basically his didactic medical poem called Liber Medicinasis. <laughs> It was Italian, all right? Medicinasis. Okay. And what you're supposed to do, and I have a, I have actually a picture of this. Uh, and I, I didn't, I think it's like actually from the Roman Empire of where they wrote this down. But you were supposed to write it down several times on a piece of paper. And every time you wrote it down, you're supposed to take away a letter. And so it forms like this inverted triangle. And so you're supposed to like say it like abracadabra, abracadabra, <laughs> abracadabra, abracadabra, you know, and just go down until it's like just one letter. And then after you said that, um, you're supposed to like scroll it up and hang it around your neck and wear it as a talisman for nine days and then throw it over your shoulder into an eastward running stream. And <laughs> if that didn't work, then you were supposed to apply lion's fat or wear a cat skin tied with a yellow coral and green emeralds around your neck. So nothing too complicated there. What? Where am Wait, I supposed to get lion's skin? fat? Yes. Lion's <laughs> fat. Like a lion like we would say. For, like a like jungle lion? Mm-hmm. Like Egypt. Lions are. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, a cat skin that was tied with yellow coral and green emeralds around your neck. Like you have laying around the house. Everybody had emeralds then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is, 
so there they were some people like well the word abacadabra is just kind of gibberish like you know something that they made up um to do this but uh it's actually been translated to uh and it's either hebrew well they think it's hebrew uh and it means to let things be destroyed or out bad spirit out and hmm. they think it comes from the hebrew words abri sadabra or oh. abre and or it's the father holy ghost word for um or it, that's the words father holy ghost word and i guess the word of god so you know and that is pronounced abrichdabra huh. so <laughs> that's where they think abracadabra came from wow so it's, it's, we're talking about like how mosquitoes and malaria has like shaped history here um and we're going to get to the south eventually but i found that this was <laughs> so interesting uh that i didn't want to like gloss over it too much um, but, you know, they say that, you know, Rome was like surrounded by this 310 square mile swamp, basically, or marshes, and they call it the Pontine marshes that surrounded Rome back in the day. The Puntang marshes? Puntang, no, pon, <laughs> Pontine, P-O-N-T-I-N-E, Pontine, or if it's Italian, Pontine. Okay, anyway, uh, and so the marshes were like a hotbed for malaria and mosquitoes. I mean, of course, as they would be. And when Hannibal and the Carthagians, Carthagians uh, came to attack Rome, you know, they were in these marshes and the, they would get bit by mosquitoes and then they would develop the fever and a lot of them would die. So... In fact, Rome was kind of protected at one point and helped, you know, keep the invaders from coming in because of the mosquitoes and the malaria. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> malaria. You said malaria. I did, I did, I did. I heard myself say it. <laughs> malaria. <laughs> And the disease right. that mosquitoes cause. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> and the disease that mosquitoes cause. Malaria. Um, and this also, like uh, Attila the Hun, uh, the Visigoth, the, the Vandals, all, all the people that wanted to come in and attack Rome, basically they had this malaria uh, shield. So uh, the thing about it, though, even though it protected them from, you know, the outside forces because everybody would get sick because they lived basically in the center of the swamp, it started affecting them too. And they are saying like, you know, it could highly be one of the factors for the collapse of the Roman empire was because of uh, people getting sick from mosquito bites, which was like crazy. It's like, hey. I feel like that would be really, Bye, everybody. I'm an empire. They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna rule the world one day. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, so you know, people even like before then in the Egyptian Empire, uh, they knew to avoid certain insects. Uh, 
they the Egyptians actually ate food like onions and garlic uh, that give your body odor kind of this horrible smell if you eat a lot of it um, to ward off mosquitoes. And they oh, were perfect. I'm golden. That's they, awesome. <laughs> they also, you know, they recognized obviously that wherever there was mosquitoes uh, and death and decay. Uh, if you didn't like, you know, stay clean, that this brought uh, forth like pestilence and plagues and stuff like that. Uh, another interesting fact that I did not know about is that the Nazis actually tried to weaponize mosquitoes. So um, they are ones that tried to weaponize of mosquitoes. They did. It's the evilest of all evils. <laughs> no shit. Uh, Napoleon also tried to like weaponize the marshlands. Uh, and so there's like the mosquitoes have been used in warfare to try to make the other troops ill enough or weak enough to where they couldn't fight. Um, wow. Back when, um, you know, after the marshes around Rome had, they had been eventually they got drained so that they would stop making everybody sick. And um, actually, I think it was Mussolini who had drained the marshes. And once he drained the marshes, it cut uh, malaria down. Now, I'm like really conscious about saying that word. Malaria. Am I saying it right? <laughs> malaria. Down in Italy by 90%. So just getting Ooh. rid of those marshes um, really helped like cut the illness down. However, the Nazis came in during World War II and they reflooded the marshes uh, in order to bring back an environment where mosquitoes could thrive and they could use it to make uh, wow. troops sick. Just wow. crazy. Like who'd have thunk? Who'd have, who'd have known anything like that? So eventually, uh, back in the day, they didn't associate you know, mosquitoes was giving you these diseases. You know, it was always that miasma cloud. And they did, however, because they didn't associate mosquitoes with malaria, they didn't know where it came from. They did know that malaria gave you a fever. Uh, and they also found out that there was something that could fight malaria. And, and I almost did this. So, Back when the British colonized India, they brought back a um, a powder with them called uh, quinine, which oh, is yeah. very bitter. And they mixed quinine with tonic water and gin, and they noticed that people who drank this did not have, like, they didn't get malaria as much or whatever. So they, they made that... Uh, connection with fighting off disease and actually that is where gin and tonic came from it was born in india from like creating this uh, you know drink as a way to fight malaria mm -hmm. and it's damn tasty too <laughs> uh, the tastiest it still way has quinine right yeah it yeah it does in tonic water i believe right um mm -hmm. But don't they still use quinine to treat? They use quinine tablets to treat malaria, don't you? Uh, I, I don't know. I do. Hydroxychloroquine know. is like a 
That's the drug that they're That's, using. Trump yeah, they, they've been trying to use malaria drug that they're using, but it's not effective. It's against not effective. Yeah. It just makes your heart stop. But, right. Um, and actually says it makes it worse now. Yeah. What they're saying is it actually makes um, it worse. But yes, it is how they treat malaria. Did you know that it gives you really bad nightmares? When you take the quinine pills, like that's one of the things, like if they send you abroad to a place where they've got really bad malaria and you have to take the pills, mm -hmm. like you can have really, really horrible night terrors because of the pills. Have you oh, heard that before? I have not, it's but that's crazy. Really I anyway. just thought it was all the vodka I mixed in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit face you got. Oh that's my gosh. the only thing I know about malaria. So <laughs> That's ahead, very sorry. interesting. No, that's fine. Um Another interesting thing about the mosquito and its blood-sucking talents um, is <laughs> there is actually, there was a case back in 1980s in Italy. We haven't even gotten over the state yet. We'll get there, I promise. <laughs> but over in Italy, there was a murder that happened um, actually in Sicily where a corpse was found near a beach. And the main suspect was like this businessman that lived far away in a different neighborhood uh, but whose car had been seen near the beach uh, during the day of the crime. And so, of course, you know, when interviewed, the cops were, you know, he was like, I was never anywhere over there and you can't really prove it kind of deal. But what happened was the CSI forensic police collected DNA from a dead mosquito that they found at that guy's place. And they tested it, and it was the blood from the dead guy on the beach. And they verified that that particular mosquito species could not have the ability to fly that distance from the beach to the suspect's house on its own, and therefore wow. connected that guy with the dead guy on the beach through the blood found in that mosquito. Oh, clever. Very Crazy. clever. Yeah. I know. It, it, that well, was... that's like, oh, it's, it's in, you know, it's Jurassic Park too, right? Right. That's, yeah. The uh, DNA yeah. of dinosaurs is stuck in amber it because yes. of mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Oh, so they've lived before us and they will live after us. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no. Sure. So now we're in like colonial times in the Americas. And as we talked uh, about earlier, like the Gullah Geechee people who came over to the uh, coastal Carolinas um, and they brought with them like the rice that they were growing over in Africa and also like indigo ink was like a very big thing over in this area. Um, and so those two like uh, agricultural uh products that they produced have to have like marshlands and wetness in order to grow and thrive and of course with all of that came disease yellow fever smallpox and malaria and um and so one of the things like it got so bad with all the diseases it's like everybody was like come over to america um and then you come over to America and it's like all these diseases and it kills you, right? And so there was like the sayings like, uh, they who want to die quickly go to Carolina because that was like where all of this um, rice and indigo trade and, and was being produced and happening uh, 
and was flourishing, but it was deadly because it was in this atmosphere uh, of wet lowlands that was like just a haven for the mosquito. And so in Charleston during that time, uh, there was such a high mortality rate that less than 20% would reach their 20th birthday. Whoa. And that was just like, it, it was like, it really did a number on everybody. And of course it didn't discriminate. So, um, you know, it was, it was basically everybody and, uh, you know, people from Europe would come over and, and like the England society for propagation of gospel, uh, sent like 50 people over our, for 50 years, they would like send young men over to South Carolina and they, had like a 43% survival rate because of all the diseases that hap was happening there on the coast because of the mosquito and malaria. Wow. Malaria. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that, so it was just a very high rate. Uh, and of course, if you got sick, you might be more likely to die because of the medicine practice of the day, which was basically bleeding and weird, crazy, you know, abracadabra talisman and, <laughs> you know, horse piss eating, bathing in, or I don't know, whatever. So whatever, you know, quackery that was going on, you know, could very well have killed you just as much as like the fever would have. <laughs> because of they did not know like how people got sick and all of a sudden it's like you know fever was such a common thing uh during that time they would make up these stories which is where the will of the wisps comes from and you know the the big miasma cloud of evil things and so this is where we get a lot of our folklore from uh people becoming ill and they would call it they wouldn't call it like malaria or yellow fever or anything like that. They would just call it the fever or country fever or uh, just all kinds of different names that they would give it. And, you know, they said stay away from, you know, the swamps because, again, they would see things like will-o'-the-wisp or like the big balls of methane gases, and they thought that these were these evil vapors that were cursing people to die um, in the marshes. So it wasn't bad advice staying away from marshes, but it was completely for wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, they thought that these things would attack you um, in your sleep, which is not untrue because mosquitoes like will totally eat you alive while you sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought that, you know, uh, poor hygiene, uh, could also like you know preempt this or whatever uh so there's like all these different things that that they made up and some of the things were true but just kind of the wrong way that they thought about them true uh, mm -hmm. oh whoa my light just went out i see that you are still talking to okay. us well, yeah. yeah no the lights are on I, I just think the timer on the lights went out sorry about Is sitting it in darkness it's, no. it's creepy now in <laughs> okay so during all of this you know you're bringing people over to south carolina south carolina colonizing um that area it was very rich 
for these kinds of things, but it really was the African um, enslaved people who worked the fields, the Gullah Geechee people who were the first victims of malaria and were bearing the brunt. So while these diseases did not specify your social status or uh, you know where you ranked uh, class-wise, it took everybody out, but people who had money could afford to sleep with mosquito nets and um, people who worked the marshes in the fields, the rice fields and stuff were more prone to getting bit. However, something happened uh, to the people that worked these fields and were exposed to these diseases and to specifically malaria, which you can, like, it's not 100% fatal. You can survive it. Um, their blood began to change their um, blood cells Ooh. and their cells became to look more sickle-like. So, uh, oh. so the Gullah Geechee people started to develop this sickle cell uh, type of blood that actually defends malaria and if you and it's passed down so this became kind of a hereditary thing uh and if you have sickle cell anemia or if you are a carrier of sickle cell it is actually um a protection and you are not as likely to get malaria so that's, I had no idea. That's how sickle cell anemia, uh, which we know about, uh, had evolved. pretty much evolved like, and, yeah. and came to, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It, it came to, uh, you know, help people not get the disease, but it also is a disease in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it basically, it's all about carrying oxygen. So if you have a sickle cell or sickle looking cell, it doesn't carry as much oxygen that you need it to. Um, mm. And you can either be a carrier with like, you can be asymptomatic or you can actually have the disease where you lack the oxygen getting into your bloodstream. But yeah, that was something new that I learned. Oh, I did not know that. That's kind of cool. But like the Gullah Geechee, I watched his interview with this man um, and I'll find that and put it up. And he was talking about like the rice fields, how like, you know, we already talked about uh, you know, people coming from West Africa who grew rice over there, uh, them importing. And this is a huge factor. And this is so interesting to me. This is a huge factor in why the Gullah Geechee people got to keep a lot of their customs uh, as enslaved people and live not a free life, but a more... Um, and I really, I don't want to say they lived like a, a fuller culture, but they did. They, they lived a, or were able to live a fuller uh, of their original culture uh, in these marshlands. It's because they were fucking out living their white owners. Yeah. And so, Man. Uh, and, and this guy was talking a lot about that. And he's like, because of malaria and their immunity somewhat to it, I mean, it still did kill some of them. Uh, in effect, make a lot of them sick, but because there was a larger immunity to it, and then when white men would move there, they would automatically, I mean, they had basically a 50-50 shot of living. Uh, they were left alone to be able to, like, live uh, a more, uh, live a 
culture that they brought over from West Africa, where in other uh, enslaved plantations uh, that was not encouraged and, uh, mm. you know, obviously. Bye. So again, a rich part of our culture that comes from the Gullah Geechee people is in because of the mosquito. Weird. I know. All right. It's <laughs> crazy. I know. It's like, as I, I was reading all of this, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking unreal. You're like, no shit, really? I know. So, uh, one of the things, like the breeding sites for the females uh, are really bad, especially after like thunderstorms and like the annual hurricanes. So, anytime there's like a hurricane that comes in, you can guarantee the mosquito population is going to be crazy and it gets so thick in some areas that it would blacken an arm by just the sure number of like mosquitoes that would be in the area. Can't, can't. can't. Okay. I'm going there. Just, just like, don't listen then. Is it the swarm time? It's swarm time. We're going there. (laughs) So, you know, so like it would be so thick, it would cover your arm and there are documented deaths of cattle who have suffocated from the number of mosquitoes in their nostrils because it would like clog their breathing passages. Oh my god. So not o- again, not only would it kill you from the disease, it could also physically kill you from the blood sucking or from physically blocking you from their swarm uh, of just yeah. having to breathe all of that. This is kind of weird. I should I should have mentioned this Ooh, earlier. The story that's ever been told. In this <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier when we were talking about the 50% mortality rate of people coming into this area um, from the diseases, it said that the leading cause of death for colonial Southern women was malaria. Hmm. So crazy. Okay, so we already talked about, and there's all like, you know, all the quackery going on with, you know, the different remedies. I thought St. John's wort, mustard plasters, warm wood, foxglove, all of these were attempts to kind of cure it. And again, just a good old gin and tonic. Do it. Um, (laughs) If you remember when we were talking about Louise Wooster and they were Mm -hmm. burning tar, they were burning tar to get rid of like uh, the cholera. It's because they, uh, one of the ways or effective ways to get rid of like mosquitoes is they started burning um, tobacco to kind of cleanse the air. So actually with the tar burning in Birmingham, I'm sure that was a way to cleanse the air to get rid of the disease. And again, they don't, I mean, it was cholera in Birmingham. Uh, that they identified, but as like, if you don't know, then you just start doing crazy shit. And I'm sure that was probably, <laughs> you know, something that they knew to do from having grown up and that was been passed mm-hmm. down to like cleanse the air to get rid of the pestilence and the disease and stuff. Another thing was like mud baths, which of course mm. is like mosquitoes love mud and bloodletting, which is a favorite and mercury pills because you know, mercury. <laughs> Cure all to be so useful. <laughs> oh my god! I love that bloodletting is like a, a a cure for a 
bloodletting. Everything. Like, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, right? Just bleed a little and then you just won't know because you won't be conscious. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about uh, is one of the first articles that I found about mosquitoes when I was researching it. And there wasn't much of a story, but it was just kind of an oh shit factor. Oh, but uh, okay. basically, there was a swarm of mosquitoes in 1980 that happened right after, in, in Texas, that happened right after a hurricane um, where 15 cows were found dead in Texas that had suffered like severe um, uh, anema. That anemia? they were, they were like drained of their blood and it was because of this swarm of mosquitoes uh, that sucked and killed. And it's like the, it's like the biggest story as far as like, you know, we have like the caribou or whatever from uh, Arctica, Antarctica, no, the Arctic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that were drained in swarms. But this was like the biggest swarm down in Texas that happened after this hurricane that came in. And it- um, Or aliens. Or aliens. Yes, but uh, but yeah, they basically were found dead, and they had been acting distressed, and they had they saw that they were being swarmed by mosquitoes, and it's like one week. It was like exactly one week after the floodwaters from this hurricane receded that um, all of this happened, and this Ugh. ranch or whatever lost fifteen cattle because of mosquitoes. <sighs> No. Yeah. Where do they go when they leave the cattle? That's what I keep thinking. I'm like, what? So what do they do then? Like they clear out 15 cattle and then they die. I don't know. They're full. They're full. Maybe they. <laughs> <laughs> they go lay on the couch and flip through the channels. <laughs> what are you doing? When you're full. Pop the beer. Hey. <laughs> What's up, Mark? Take a nap. <laughs> Well, that's my story of miasmas, malaria, not malaria, but malaria <laughs> and mosquitoes. <laughs> oh my God, I'm a disease. <laughs> I swear, when you first said that about like the 1980, you, all you had to say was like in 1980, and you could see Courtney going, no, 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 no. After a hurricane, no. Yes. Well, no, no. This is the scariest story ever. I hate mosquitoes so much. Oh, I do too. We're all gonna cross our fingers that they've God. all died of the coronavirus. I hope so. Wouldn't that be a beautiful <gasps> silver lining? Or either they'll just pass it along. <laughs> no! Shut up! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> so many horror Jesus stories drunk. in this episode <laughs> it's like if anybody's like wanting to start a new book during go. quarantine mm. and then we've got it we've got you know virus we can't go outside either even by ourselves all alone to garden uh, then and that's just unacceptable we have to be in full beekeeper suits too oh, hornies murder yeah. hornets murder hornets <laughs> Or Bassett bees, Bass, Bass, is it Baskin? Bassett, Baskin bees. Baskin bees. Baskin bees. Baskin bees. Baskin bees. Baskin bees. So exotic. 
Oh, God. Well, I did watch that extra episode. Did you watch it? Because uh, after you we did the story, they had released the extra episode, and all it is is interviews, and Joel McHale is the host. Uh, he's totally, totally making fun of himself. Though. Like He was like, obviously, I will do anything. Like I right. am hosting the right. Tiger King. Oh, oh, and they've got Nick Cage that's going to play him in a movie. Oh, wait. oh Have no. you not heard this, Courtney? Should we? Should we? Hold on. Hold on. This might Let's, need to. This should is we do this talk. for the after show? After hold on. Talk. Okay. All Thank right. y'all so much for listening and you. putting up with us. And Thank look for a live show coming up. And um, we will post this everywhere. And um, be sure to sign up for a chance to win, to be with us on live show and all this craziness. And we love you. And we will talk to you soon. Be safe. Take your meds. Bye. Bye.